Welcome back to After the Buzz of Sports Talk, and I'm your host, Aiden Mayer. Alright guys, welcome back for another episode. In today's episode, I'm going to be joined by Colin for the first time in about a month, I'd say. And in today's episode, we're going to talk about Andy Dalton, first of all, to the Dallas Cowboys. I know this is a bit of old news, but I still want to talk about it because I think it goes farther than the the Cowboys are signing this backup quarterback because this also affects Dak Prescott. There's some sort of, you know, there's things that you can read into. What does this mean for not only, you know, Andy Dalton is the backup of the Cowboys, but what does it kind of, does it show any signs? What can we, uh, how can we read into this? Like, what are some takeaways and whatnot? And then the second topic, more the bigger one. I personally believe and have a lot of statistics and reasons to back it up. The NBA MVP award is overrated. Colin disagrees. So I, I originally just said, you know what, I'm going to do this for the episode. And then I, Colin just found out. He's just like, oh, you're doing that? And he's just like, well, I really disagree. And we actually started debating about it for like five, ten minutes. And I think we're kind of going to pick up on that again. So it should be fun to talk about. Um, so, yeah, first we're going to start with Andy Dalton. So let's get to that. All right. So it was reported that the Cowboys signing Andy Dalton to a one-year, $3 million deal. Most people said pretty good deal for the Dallas Cowboys, right? Um, It just, I didn't really have a problem with it. It was a little bit surprising. I I did have that feeling of saying, you know, I I know the Patriots got a little bit of interest, same thing with the Jaguars, but at the end of the day, I just had that feeling Andy Dalton would go somewhere other than those two teams. But I just really didn't know where. But when I heard with the Cowboys, I was like, wow, I'm a little surprised. And you'll get it for the Cowboys. They've already got their starting quarterback. They've got Dak Prescott. He's been here for four years now. Some would say, you know, he he's he's been great for a fourth-round pick. You know, he's been phenomenal. You know, many would consider him the quarterback of the future. He's got a little bit of room to grow, though. The Cowboys only went 8-8 eight and eight last season. This is a huge year for Dak Prescott, and many know why. I mean, first of all, you know, people say really he really hasn't accomplished a lot in the sense that in his four seasons, he's only won one playoff game. You know, he's putting up solid stats. He's been a little inconsistent, though. Sorry for that banging. Um, But it's like he's got a lot of proof because not only is this kind of the year where people are expecting Dak Prescott to take this next step and the Cowboys to really take the next step as well and win a playoff game or two at least, Um. People are also sitting there like Dak Prescott wants wants some money. The Cowboys offered him around thirty three uh, or thirty five million dollars around that number. I've heard different reports, but Dak Prescott wants close to forty million dollars a year. So, Colin, when you just hear that right off the bat, what do you think? I just think he's getting overpaid. Like, like he will if he gets forty million dollars. He gets forty million dollars. He's getting overpaid, obviously. Like. Jared Goff and these other types of mediocre. Well, I wouldn't say Dak Prescott is a mediocre quarterback, but Jared Goff is a mediocre quarterback, and he's getting all this money. Yep. So I'm. I feel like we'll see an inflation in the prices of quarterbacks. So with Dak rising up, I'm sure other quarterbacks will be wanting more money, especially the higher caliber ones. So maybe we'll see that around the league. Um, I mean, three million dollars is a pretty cheap price to pay for a pretty good backup quarterback. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was a steal for them. But 
I think when you look at Dak Prescott, it's all about the rapidly improving NFL market. And and you look at Jared Goff, I mean, it's like it sets the bar. One player sets the bar for the next, and with the cap space constantly rising, it, it, it just keeps going up at such a rapid pace, especially with quarterbacks, because the, you know, they're the most valuable position in the NFL. Like At fullback, it isn't the same way. There's only a couple fullbacks, really, that end up doing anything in the league nowadays, and, you know... The fullback position, you know, there's only so many of them. The the value for them isn't that high at all. So that's different. But the quarterback market, it's actually really interesting because you look at Jared Goff. You know, he's making, um, he's you know, four year, one hundred thirty four million dollar extension with one hundred ten million dollars guaranteed. I do believe they restructured that deal a little bit, but I mean, you do the math right there. That's uh, I, it's right over a thirty thousand. It's a little over thirty million dollars this season. So, uh, you know that for Jared Goff, I've always called Jared Goff a system quarterback. Okay, you know you looked at his rookie year was really rough under Jeff Fisher, and then Sean McVay comes in. Sean McVay was scheming him up to have a lot of success. I don't think Jared Goff's that good of a quarterback. I've been one of his biggest critics. I just think he's a system guy. He's got a ton of. He's got great play calling. Uh, although last season was a little different. He's got a lot of weapons around him. You know, the play-action pass with Todd Gurley always opened things up, but he's gone now. And I always thought Jared Goff was just the system guy, but obviously he saw it a different way, and the Rams aren't just going to sit there and say, well, we're not going to pay you even close to that much because you're a system quarterback. If you call your quarterback a system quarterback, how do you think that's going to go down? So with Jared Goff, they kind of, you know, had to pay him big bucks. They overpaid for him by a mile. But then Dak Prescott sitting there and he's saying, why are you offering me the same deal, Jared Goff? I am better than Jared Goff. So I want at least $4 million more a year. And then next season, a new quarterback's going to hit the market. Let's say, um, ooh. I'm going to look up the – you can kind of take over for a little bit while okay. I look up the quarterback class. <laughs> well, I want to talk about what this means for Andy Dalton, what this new change of setting means. Uh, first of all, he must dye his hair blue because to match the team colors once again. But now he's going to be under a better coach in Mike McCarthy, and we've seen Aaron Rodgers go far with him. And I think – what's the guy's name? Zach Taylor. Yeah, Zach Taylor Zach with the Taylor Bengals. And uh, whoever the guy before that was, the guy that they fired, um, they weren't, they're like not that good of coaches. But Mike McCarthy is a good coach and has led the Packers in some great playoff runs. So I think Andy Dalton could really improve as a quarterback with the Dallas Cowboys. And hopefully he learns a little bit from Dak Prescott and he can improve and maybe. He, he'll get traded to another team, or maybe if Dak gets injured, he can start and take over for a little bit, and hopefully it works out for him. So I just looked up the class. Ironically, in 2021, there will not be – there's no good quarterbacks out there that are going to end up making more than Dak Prescott. But that that's not the point because Dak Prescott's actually a 2021 NFL free agent, but we're talking about this extension. But – you take it like, let's say Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, they're starting to talk about it. He is in the market for an extension. So if Dak Prescott gets $38 million a year, let's say that's where they meet. He's going to get this $38 million a year. Then Deshaun Watson, now he's in the market for an extension. He's going to go to the Texans and say, listen, 
the Texans are going to lay out this extension on the table. He's going to say, Dak Prescott's making $38 million a year. I'm better than Dak Prescott. I should make at least $41 million a year. And then it's going to keep, it keeps going. It's like this never ending cycle. And that's why the, you know, it keeps rapidly improving. And you add in player empowerment. These players have more power than ever before. I mean, it is a player's league. I mean, that that's more to the NBA. I think management and coaching staff have a lot less power in the NBA than per se the NFL, but that's still a thing in the NFL. Player empowerment is at a very high, if not the highest level ever. And the players are the ones with the leverage in nearly every negotiating deal. So the, the market's going to keep rapidly improving. So if you have a young quarterback, don't sit there and wait for the market to you know, lower because it's not. It's just going to keep rapidly improving. So if you can just get your quarterback locked in long-term, of course, Deshaun Watson's looking for something more short-term probably because he has plans of potentially leaving Houston. They're not heading in the best direction right now. But he's asking for about a two-year extension, but he's probably going to want big bucks for those two years. And, And rightfully so, I mean... I think Jared Goff really set the bar here, and the players before that have too. So player empowerment – Colin, what are you doing? Player empowerment really does play a factor in this, but like Jared Goff, I mean, how overpaid is he? Jared Goff's terrible. I mean, he is the definition of mediocre. I don't like the guy. And I like – you know, Dak Prescott's right. I like Deshaun Watson. But these guys are going to get overpaid, and it may seem like they're getting overpaid, but in reality – they're not. If Jared Goff, you know, I mean, given that this is a stretch because you could be saying, well, Aiden, this doesn't make a ton of sense because you look at the NBA, Nicholas Batum is making, how you know, $25 million or so. And then you'd sit there and say, well, um, uh, Joe Schmo's better than him. So why isn't he making at least 30? That's a little different. All right. You get what I'm saying. Like these good quarterbacks that have recently signed deals that where they're a little overpaid, but these solid starting quarterbacks like Jared Goff falls in that category. He's relatively mediocre, but you know, he's still a good starting quarterback in and the to league. I think that all this inflation with quarterbacks started with Jared Goff. Well, it didn't. Jared it didn't. Goff. It didn't necessarily start with Jared well, Goff. That is looked at as the first domino in the Dak Prescott sense because Dak Prescott's not basing it off of what Matt Castle made seven years ago. He's basing it off what J- Jared Goff has now. But Jared Goff's deal came from how much somebody else was making, and then it keeps going. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, but who who did that come from? I have no clue. So, what Jared Goff is the most. Recent, like, well-known. Yes, he is the most recent quarterback to set the bar. Before him, that hasn't been leaked because we all know that Dak Prescott's thinking he should make so much because Jared Goff's making however much, you know, $34, $33 million a year. Do you think this will be a trend amongst, like, kind of older quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady and – Drew Brees, even though Tom Brady and Drew Brees probably will most likely retire after their after like the next three years or so, but with like let's say Aaron Rodgers, do you think he's gonna get paid more money than someone like Baker Mayfield might, or someone like a younger quarterback, a younger decent quarterback? Well, might? it it depends. It there's a lot of factors. First of all, there are some players that are willing to take pay cuts because if every player was as selfish as Dak Prescott is, then the the market would be 
exploding by now. There are some players that are willing to take, you know, pay cuts to, to help the benefit of the team. And you look at like Tom Brady's done it a lot with New England. Um, Danny Amendola used to do it all the time with New England, although he's a wide receiver and he was never going to make big bucks anyway, but he always took pay cuts. Like those players, there are those team players that are willing to take pay cuts. It's less than ever before uh, because players are starting to get greedy, but it depends. Like Aaron Rodgers versus Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield, if as long if Baker Mayfield bounces back, that is. But I get what you're saying. Like a decent young quarterback or Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Aaron Rodgers will probably make more money per year, but the longevity of the younger quarterback will probably be longer. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, the thing is, though, he could easily get a four-year deal as well because he's going to look for longevity more than that young quarterback. You look at Deshaun Watson, he's a young quarterback who probably doesn't want to spend his whole career in Houston, whereas Aaron Rodgers knows he's getting up there in age and may think he's Superman, but at the end of the day, these older players want the security, and that's something Tom Brady always wanted. Like Tom Brady, that was one of the biggest reasons he left New England was Bill Belichick couldn't um, sec- you know, give him that security he wanted. He wanted at least two years on his deal, you know. So it, 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 it's there's a ton of factors that go into it. A team looking at Aaron Rodgers versus a young quarterback, that team would probably rather give the young quarterback four years on their deal and Aaron Rodgers two or three, but the older players probably more concerned about the longevity or the security of their contract. So it all depends on what player you're talking about, what general manager. There's a lot of factors. All right. So I think with Dak Prescott here, the the Cowboys should not, I know Jerry Jones loves just playing his players, even if it means they're overpaying a little bit. Um, because he's just got all the money in the world. The Cowboys have a lot more cap space than some of these other teams, and he just likes to secure his star players. But with Dak Prescott, if he wants to make as much money he's you know as he's asking for, he's got to prove something. You know, he can't. You know, he, Dak Prescott's a good quarterback. He's better than Jared Goff. But you know, one playoff win in four years, and then you look at Andy Dalton. Is Andy Dalton from Dallas? He's gonna fit their system well. And I like it because Dak Prescott, he's never missed a game in his career, but you never know. Dak Prescott is a little more of a scrambling quarterback. He could certainly get hurt. And, you know, this is a – Cowboys have something this year. I know we some Cowboys fans say that every year, but this team is a little more talented than some of the teams they've had in the past. So you get a guy like Andy Dalton just as insurance. I mean, that's a great value pickup for them. So – you know, just in case something happens to Dak Prescott, and I think just to put push Dak Prescott, because Dak Prescott kind of thinks maybe he's on the top of the world at this point. So just to show Dak, you know, we have a guy that's going to maybe push you a little bit, but not much, because Dak Prescott's leaps and bounds ahead of Andy Dalton. But you know, just a guy to show, you know, you're maybe he'll teach you a thing or two, because you know Prescott's been in the system a lot longer than Dalton has. You know, Dalton's only been in it for like a week or two, and he hasn't even played any snaps, but. Dalton is an older quarterback. He can teach him a few tricks and really just to push him a little bit and say, hey, we got the next guy here. Don't think you're on the top of the world. And I think Jerry Jones, they say they're going to meet a deal before July, like first or something like that. And I do think they will. You know, it's moving slow but steady. But Jerry Jones is playing this well, and Dak Prescott, I mean, he's got to calm down a little bit. But I think that's all I've got to say on this matter. Anything else? All right, so we're gonna now we're gonna get to on more of a controversial topic. Why I think the NBA MVP award is overrated. So let's get to that. Okay, so I've just got a lot of facts here, and I'm gonna present 
them to you at first and kind of like pitch my case because more my more my case is more structured because I have it and Colin is just gonna kind of going off whatever whatever is on his mind you know yeah uh but here first I want to present you with this all right I'm going to show you kind of four sets of stats here. There's going to be a little bit more after that we're going to talk about too. But this is what just what I want to present on a silver platter for you right off the beginning. I All right. We have the NBA MVP winners from 1979, uh, from the 1979-80 season to 1998-99 season. That's a 20-year span. That's right towards the end of the um, 20th century uh, so it starts with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar from the 1980 season all the way up to Karl Malone in the 1999 season. Of those 20 MVPs, 10 of them also won a championship in that MVP season. So out of the 20, so you go down the list, some of them, like Michael Jordan, he won five, he, you know, he's five of the 10 right here, but he also won six of the 20 MVPs. So Ten different players won MVP in the span of time. So 20 total MVPs, 10 different players. Out of those 20 MVPs, 10 of them also won a championship in that time. And then six out of 10 of those players that won a championship, Louis, six out of 10 of those players won a championship in at least one of their MVP seasons. So are you telling me that... This is supposed to, I know this should, it sounds like this is weakening my argument, because this is very good no, statistics. No, it's not. I'm just wondering if, so you said however many won a championship in the year that they won the MVP. Is that including every time Michael Jordan won, or is it? Like, like out of the 10 out of 20? Yes. Yes. Okay, so that's, so basically five. Well, six people what do you mean right so like four of those are extras of michael jordan yes essentially yes but just bear with me here now i know this sounds crazy because i i'm here saying the mvp awards overrated in this span of time 50 percent of the mvp winners also went on to win a championship in the same season that is a very successful rate but you'll see what point i'm getting at later now in that same span of time, here are the amount of players that not that won MVP and at least made a finals appearance. So this is taking all the championship winners and then tacking on the players that also in their MVP seasons made the finals but maybe didn't win two. 14 out of 20 of those MVP winners in that time at least made the finals, which means overall in this time period, if you were an MVP and you made it to the finals, which happened 14 times, you had a record of 10 and 4, which is a 71% win percentage, which is, again, very good. Uh, 12 different players won MVP and made a finals appearance in the same season during this time. Only three players won MVP in the season but failed to make e- e- failed to ever make a finals appearance in the same season. So very successful, right? I mean, this time span right at the end of the 20th century, if you won MVP, your playoff odds were very good. Uh, if you made the finals, your you know 71% win rate. Uh, if you made the playoffs as an MVP, which all of these teams did, if you, which all these MVPs did, I mean, there's a 50% chance you were going to win the championship. Th- those are great odds. And this may seem like it's weakening my argument, but then we enter the 21st century. We go from Giannis's 
MVP last season all the way to Shaq's MVP back in the 2000 season, okay? Six out of 20 of these MVP winners also won a championship in their MVP season. That so is basically the same as the 1990s and 1980s because or that the before 20 year span because essentially four of those were extra Michael Jordans. So, well, let me tell you this. Let's see here. Oh, uh, we've got. I gotta zoom in on this. I can't really see it. Okay. Okay. We've got two Steph Curry's on here. We've got two LeBron James on here. Okay. So, I I don't. What point are you trying to get at? Here's okay. I know. I get what you're saying. A lot of the success of those MVP winners were from Michael Jordan. Is what you're trying to get at, right? So you may say that's a little unfair, but I don't want to spoil anything. I'm going to touch up on that later. I, I totally get what you're saying. It's a good counter argument, but I've got my own uh, coming up in a bit here. So essentially, in the at the end, the last 20 years that we looked at before this one that we're talking about now, 10 out of 20 of the MVP winners also went on to win the championship in the same year. This year, only six. Uh, this 20-year span, only six out of 20. So that's a 20% drop. Okay. Well, that's still four of the extra ones. Can we get to that one. later, please? <laughs> Here, two. You know, there's an extra one from Steph Curry, an extra one from LeBron James. Well, All right. Really 14 different players, one MVP during the span. Keep in mind, for the last one, only 10. So the talent's a little more spread out in this 20 year span. All right. Five of those 14 players won a championship in at least one of their MVP seasons. So. There's five different players here. You know, LeBron James, Steph Curry, Dirk Nowitzki, Tim Wise Allen Iverson highlighted on this. I accidentally, whoa, I think I messed up some of the stuff. Oh, no, 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 I messed up the <laughs> Allen Iverson one. I don't know why Allen Iverson is on here. He won MVP, lost in the finals in 2001. But still not taking away from my case. Okay. No, it is not. Because I had the stats right. I just... Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'm good. The stats were right. My chart was wrong. But I wasn't even reading off the chart anyway. So it's fine. Okay. Now we factor in... These are all the players out of the 20. How many P players not only won MVP in that season, but at least made a finals appearance? Eight out of 20. Eight, which means they had a 6-2 and two win record. If you were an MVP and you made it to the finals... In this span of time, you had a 75% win percentage compared to the 71% uh, last 20, the 20 years before that. But keep in mind, the 20 years before that had 14 finals appearances. This one only had eight. So essentially saying, in the 20 years before the one that we're talking about right now, from 80 to 99, 10 out of the 20 MVP winners won a championship. In this 20-year span, only eight players even made it to the finals. So it's clear, like, you see what's pattern here is, is that it is becoming harder to not only win MVP, but also win a championship. These MVPs are having less playoff success. What is the point of that? What are some conclusions we can draw? First of all, as I stated uh, a couple minutes ago, the talent is more spread out amongst the NBA now. You know, you look at it, all right, the whole decade in the 1980s, Basically, just belong to the Celtics and the Lakers. 
eight out of 10 of the championships won in that decade was from either the Celtics or the Lakers. Then we go to the 90s, which was dominated by Jordan's Bulls, who won six NBA titles. You were, every decade was just dominated by a dynasty here or there. Many people say, well, it, nothing's really changed. I mean, you look at the Warriors had a dynasty, but think about the longevity of those dynasties. Most of the dynasties back in the 80s, the 70s, and the 90s would last for six to 10 years. The Warriors dynasty was great. What did it only last for? Four years. You know, and that's probably the, that's been the longest one of this whole decade. So the longevity of these dynasties is shorter nowadays, which means the talent is more spread out. So wouldn't that make it more entertaining for people to watch? What do you mean? So you're, you're. Oh, today's NBA is more interesting to watch. Well, it depends on what kind of fan you are. No, that's not the point. I'm trying to say, you're saying that the NBA MVP award is overrated. But, see, from the first day of the season, we are trying to come up with predictions on who's going to win. In the 90s, I could just tell you, Michael Jordan will win. And it's like, everyone will think that. But now we can... Say, oh, is it going to be LeBron James? Is it going to be Giannis? Is it going to be? Uh, well, no, there was there was a debate. There was there was a good debate yeah. there. But really, it was Michael Jordan dominant, Larry Bird, all that, all well, those people. So, so actually, in past years, besides like the last twenty years, it. The MVP award has been won by the same person constantly. Larry Bird, Bill Russell, Michael Jordan. So th- there hasn't really been a change in uh, who's going to win until up until the, um, the last 20 years where we've been seeing multiple different winners every year. So it's, it's more entertaining from the beginning to try to predict who's going to win MVP than it was... Voter fatigue. That's all I'm gonna say. What? Who do you think would be more patient? Who? A person from the the impatience. Basically, do you think people are more impatient nowadays or back four years ago? Yeah, nowadays people are more impatient. Okay, voter fatigue. I want to tell you what this is. So basically, this is when the media gets sick of seeing the same player win. Okay, LeBron James would have easily more than four MVPs at this point if the voters didn't get sick of seeing him win, okay? The media is more impatient nowadays, and they want to see things change because they're more impatient. Again, voter fatigue. That That's all. Do you get what I'm kind of saying? Yeah, yeah. I, I do. That's okay. A, that's a yes. It's, it's essentially where I get what you're saying. It has become a little harder to win nowadays, but the media also plays a huge factor in that. The media, all the time, there's been multiple MVP picks that have been wrong in the past 20-something years. I mean, Steve Nash's MVPs, two MVPs have been very debatable. Uh, Dwayne Wade should have one over Steve Nash, most likely. Just a lot of these things. And LeBron probably could have won over James Harden a couple years ago, but people voted for James Harden, uh, you know, kind of as a makeup from the season before. So, you know, people, the media is more impatient and they, they're sick of seeing the player win. And don't get me wrong, too. They they did the same thing with MJ, but that was after he won five MVPs. With LeBron, he wins two in a row and they're already done, you know? So, there. although voter fatigue has always been a thing, it is higher than ever nowadays compared to back then. Okay, so not only that, LeBron James's impact. Chase rings, not MVPs. 
Okay, I'm sure you've heard about this before, but LeBron, he already has four MVPs on his trophy case, and he won most of those when his body was in physical, uh, when it's in his physical prime. And everybody likes to say LeBron James ages like fine wine, and he may be a little wiser nowadays. He may be more experienced, a little less, uh, you know, a little less afraid of the big moment. But now, let really- me ask you a question. Yep. Does fine wine age good? Because I just need a bit of clarification. Yes. On wine tastes okay. better as it oh, okay. ages. Okay. But LeBron James, they couldn't be farther from the truth. LeBron James does not age like fine wine. Okay. He has simply just changed up his method. Okay. His regular season statistics are going down. He hasn't won an MVP since 2012. Or twenty, I can go check the specific date. It was either, uh, yeah, he hasn't won won since twenty thirteen. Excuse me, I had my stats a little messed up there, but he hasn't won an MVP since twenty thirteen. Once he started winning NBA titles, then he starts kind of entering his thirties, which many would consider his prime. But really, that's not true. Uh, in his days with the his end of his tenure with the Cavs, towards the beginning of his tenure, his first run with the Cavs, and then his beginning of his run with Miami, that was when he was in his physical prime. He has just changed up his method, and it's allowed him to do better in the playoffs, and he's done worse in the regular season. What would you? What do you value more, the regular season or the playoffs? The playoffs. Yes. Okay. So. LeBron James has kind of had this thing where, all right, I'm 35 years old. My body, people say age like fine wine, but it's not true. I I have a great, LeBron James has a great work ethic. ethic. I'm not taking that away from him, but for a 35-year-old, no matter how athletic you are, to sustain an 82-game regular season and the whole entire playoffs going 100% all the time, it's just impossible. So LeBron James doesn't load manage like Kawhi Leonard does in the sense of vote, uh, not voting out. Um, sitting out, (laughs) Um, but he instead just doesn't give 100% in most games. You know, maybe a primetime game he'll try all the time, but, you know, he takes these breaks where he lets someone else bring up the ball or some games where he really doesn't try until the fourth quarter or, you know, midway through the third quarter, and it's his way of load managing to save up some gas in a way, if that makes any sense. And if he goes 100% in the regular season, I mean, without voter fatigue, he's probably got six MVPs or something like that by now, right? But it's if he goes 100% in the regular season ever since his last MVP campaign, because ever since then, ever since his fourth MVP, he started to dial it down. So if he goes 100% ever since then, LeBron James probably has at least one more MVP. Despite voter fatigue, there's going to be one season in there where he just played too good to shut that down. But rings, on the other hand, LeBron James has got three championships. He may not come back from 3-1 against the uh, against the Warriors. Like, that 3-1 may have never happened, okay? As historic as it was, it may have never happened if LeBron James doesn't use this method because how do you come back from 3-1 against one of the best teams of all time if you don't have enough in the tank? If he goes 100% that regular season, he maybe walks away with MVP, but no way they win that finals against the Warriors. So he has basically centered himself around saying, you know, I'm still going to play really well in the regular season, be top five in MVP voting probably, but I'm not going to win MVP. Instead, we're going to win rings. And I know it may seem stupid because he has more MVPs than he does rings, but this one, this wasn't always his method. And two, it is easier to vote and uh, easier to win MVPs than it is 
to win championships. That is just the fact. And then we've also just got load management in general. You look at Kawhi Leonard, Paul George is hopping off the trend, uh, hopping on the trend. Uh, Greg Popovich started this back in 2012 when he sat his four best players during a nationally televised game against the Miami Heat. Fun fact, the Spurs actually ended up beating the Heat in the NBA Finals that year. The, the, the NBA was so mad at Greg Popovich and the Spurs for doing this, they even fined him. But eventually, a few years later, people kind of circled back to what Greg Popovich did that day. One, Kawhi was one of the players he sat, and uh, ever since then, load management starting to really take off. And Kawhi Leonard has used that strategy. It's a, it's a strategy. Load management works. That... Greg Popovich gave him, and he's been able to use that, utilize that. I mean, he's won championships with the Spurs, even willed the Raptors to an upset win, in my opinion, against the Golden State Warriors. And now he can do the same with the Clippers. You know, the reason people say, well, why didn't players load manage back in the 90s and the 80s and the 70s? And I'll tell you this. First of all, this is a quote that I've used before. I already know I broke down load management, so I don't want to get too much into this, but this is just a great, great quote from Earl Watson. Load management isn't the toll of the NBA schedule. It's the toll of youth travel basketball playing 12 to 15 games a weekend to keep up with the monthly fees validated. That hurts the players later in life and rookies that are entering the NBA. Youth hoops needs less games and more teaching. That last line doesn't really apply, although I may agree. Uh, and I do think the NBA schedule should be shortened still. Although it isn't necessarily the NBA schedule that, that's fault to all these injuries that are occurring in the wear and tear. And it is AAU. AAU is not going to change what they've they're doing. They they make millions of dollars every year because they just chip a ton of people off. They're not going to change their strategy. It's working for them. So the NBA has to change. You know what? If AAU is not going to change, we have to make a change. Shorten the NBA schedule, please. Um, but, you know, we'll see how that goes. But that is essentially what it was. Back in the day, AAU basketball wasn't really that big of a thing, if anything at all. I'm not really sure when it started, but it wasn't really a thing. Nowadays, it is. So back in the day, players came in fresh. There was no tread on their tires when they came into the NBA back in the 80s and the 90s and whatnot. But nowadays, there is. Nowadays, these players already, you know, they're already kind of sputtering as they come into the league. And it leads to injuries and it leads to this wear and tear. And now, not only that, there's other factors. Faster pace of play. This season was one of the fastest paces of play ever. So, you know, what do you when you look at it, like what what's more tiring, Colin? When you when you're playing a slow basketball game against a team that you're blowing out by 40 points, or this really intense game that's going up and down the court, you know, back and forth. Well, obviously the slow one. Well, yeah. Obviously it's yeah. Other so. When it has a faster play... Uh, I, I just need to say something really yeah, quick. Sure. How is it that this NBA has gone so fast, and yet Harrison Barnes, that's where he just he he just does his best in fast-paced NBA. Yeah. And then he comes back to the Kings and uh, Luke Vogel or whatever the guy... No, not, it's uh, Luke, Luke Walton. Walton yes. Yeah. How do you manage to do that? When you have a person who just it thrives... When it's faster paced play, you you just get Harrison Barnes. You overpay him, and then you say, you know what? Let's slow down the speed of the game so he doesn't do good. We're gonna overpay him. And what then, do you mean? Because the the 
the Kings were a fast-paced team. Not this this year, but last season before this one. They were a pretty fast-paced team. But this season, when Luke Walton came in, they slowed down the pace of um they slowed down the pace of the game when they were playing. When they also got Harrison Barnes, who is better with fast pace. I mean, they did trade for him and then they signed him back, but like they did overpay for him a little short, but like you can't cater to one role player. And I mean, don't get me wrong, like De'Aaron Fox would really thrive in a I think they should run yeah, I think they should should run a fast pace. Offense too, but what what point were was that just a point you wanted to throw out? Oh, that's just yeah. Oh, okay. It's not like yeah, but again, with the pace of play, with it being faster, these players have to use more energy. It's more wear and tear, and it's it it burns them out. So if you're going to you know trying to slow down the pace of play a little bit, not trying to keep up with the pace, but keep up instead instead of keeping up with the pace of play, pacing yourself is going to do better for you in the long run. All right. I want to take a look at some of the most recent MVPs. 2016, we've got Steph Curry. Played 80 regular season games, averaged 32.6 minutes a game in the regular season, had a usage rate of 31.4%. Playoff result, Warriors blew a 3-1 lead to the Cavs after going 73-9 and in the regular season. It was and still probably is the biggest choke in Curry's career. 2017, Russell Westbrook played 81 regular season games, averaged 34.6 minutes a game in the regular season, had a usage rate of 40.2%. Uh, playoff result, to be fair, his team was only a six seed, and they fell in five games to Houston in the first round. Westbrook averaged over 10 assists and nearly 38 points per game in that cr- points per game in that series, but he also took over 30 shots per game and wasn't nearly enough to defeat Houston. 2018, James Harden played 72 regular season games, averaged 35.4 minutes a game in the regular season, had a usage rate of 35.3%. Playoff result, the Rockets entered the playoffs as the number one seed in the West with a record of 65-17. and They easily took down Minnesota and Utah in five games each. Then they lost the Game 7 to the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals in Houston. He scored 32 points on 41% from the field in 43 minutes that night. 2019, Giannis Antetokounmpo played 72 regular season games, averaged 32.8 minutes a game in the regular season, had a usage rate of 31.4%. Playoff result, despite falling... Finishing with the best record in the regular season that year, the Bucks fell to Kawhi Leonard, Load Management Works, and the Co- and the Raptors in six while in the Eastern Conference Finals. Giannis's points, assists, reba- and rebounds per game all went down, and his field goal percentage dipped by over eight percent in the playoffs. All in all, Giannis's 2019 playoff campaign was a disappointment. So here's what I have to say. What was I going to say? Uh... <laughs> It was it was something about what if oh yeah what if Giannis were to load manage if Giannis were to load manage then we would see still LeBron and Kawhi are still top dogs in the MVP race what if LeBron and James Harden both load managed then maybe LeBron and Kawhi would actually win MVP sure. So if if two players, so you're saying the MVP award is now overrated because two players are not load managing. Not only that, that's one of the biggest reasons, though. Just sure. for two people. Two of the top three players in the league. Yeah. And then not to mention the third one, Kevin Durant's hurt. So, the, the, yeah, of course. 
Well, Kevin Durant. I, Thank I you know, for I, making my point. Well, I may have forgot to do that. Kevin Durant will probably load manage next year. Yeah. To prevent injuries, but I, I don't even know where I'm going with. Yeah, you know. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. So, do you know how long it is between the regular season and the start of the playoffs? The end of the the end of the regular season to the start of the playoffs. Uh, I I believe right off the top of my head it's about five to seven days. Five to seven days. What if the NBA were to just move it back to a month? Well, they haven't, so... So what if... No, no, no. What if this happened? Then would you consider the NBA MVP award to be overrated? I'll see what the players do. Well, the players aren't going to load manage if they have a month between... Maybe they do. They're not going to load manage as much. How do you know? Well... (laughs) Because it's a month. They're getting a month break versus a week. They're going to take days to actually... Maybe they fly. want to rest up just to have that month to really prepare. Just to, to then, instead of instead of going full speed out of the gate, slowing down, and then resting while trying to build back up, instead just kind of take it, you know, maybe a little harder, still pretty steady, and then kind of go up like that. I forget. There was a good point I was going to bring up, but with all those useless facts, I just kind of lost. Useless? <laughs> well, yeah, I think I just proved my point pretty well. Not only is it those two players load managing, plus we've got Paul George, who was third in the MVP race last season, if you if you forgot. No, I did not forget, because actually I thought Paul George was going to win MVP at the middle of the season. Yeah, and guess what he's doing this year? Load managing, okay? A lot of the top players nowadays are load managing. Some are getting hurt, KD, you know. So, you know, with the wear and tear being as high as it is, more players are load managing, more players are getting hurt. And with that, the MVP race is wide open as ever. And with that, it's a little easier to win. So, yeah, but wouldn't that make it more entertaining if it's wide open? What does entertainment have to do with... Because people are... People have a good reason to like it. How does that have to do anything with it being overrated? <laughs> whoa, 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 let me let me throw this let me throw this at you. All right. Uh, let's see. All right, we've got Kareem Abdul Jabbar. All right, I like the guy. I like yep. him. Right, but I think he's overrated. All time. Okay. He's about third, I'd say. Ah, uh, Magic Johnson over Kareem for me. Really? Yes. Okay. Do you want to know why, or just no? You're good. I mean, I don't know why. Yeah. I mean, let just you seem to be pretty eager to tell me. Why. Uh, no, so, I'm yeah, not. Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying. I mean, I look at it with Kareem with the Bucks, only won one championship. Okay, and. He, you know, he's relatively a little disappointing in the playoffs there. Then he joins up with Magic Johnson with the Lakers. And in his first couple of years with the Lakers, doesn't really do much. Magic Johnson comes in and wins in four championships. Fun fact, Madden, uh, not Madden, Magic Johnson actually says Kareem would just give him the ball sometimes and say, take over the game. It, that was Magic Johnson's work. Kareem was his second fiddle right there. Magic Johnson... Let me tell you something. Magic Johnson is a bit, uh, let's just say he's 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 a bit as he's 
the Lakers manager, he's becoming a bit biased of himself, you know? <laughs> when he, he that is a, no, Kareem of, literally said that. Well, Kareem he, has confirmed. Well, here's the thing. Magic Johnson, he, he tells he tells him stories. He, he's a storyteller. All right. He's like, you know, he, he, he tells stories. I hear you tell a lot of stories sometimes. I, I do. I, I'm very good at telling stories. Yeah, uh, well... Yeah. yeah. So, uh, here. Oh, you're boring fast. I forgot what I was going to say again with magic. I don't even know how. I'm to too good at proving my point. Um, what was I going to say? Hold on. Maybe if you stop throwing the marker, just set that down for a second. Oh, with Giannis is better because he has a worse team. Giannis is better. Okay. All right. So, I don't know where. No, 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 no. I get what you're saying. I actually threw that in there. I'm glad you brought that up because that's actually a good point that I really can't counter. In a way, I really can't counter that. But I want to hear you keep going with this. Okay. So, as the talent spreads out throughout the league, it is – Harder to will your team so far into the playoffs. Like, you're saying Giannis lost in the finals. He didn't win the finals. But how hard... Wait, no, he lost in the Eastern Conference Finals. Okay, well, how hard is it to get to the finals when your second best player is a low-caliber all-star and Chris Middleton? Okay, but but what about Steph Curry? He was on perhaps the best team of all time. Yeah, well, Michael Jordan... Not Michael Jordan. I mean, LeBron James was also in the league at that time. So it was LeBron James. So you're telling me the 2016 Cavs were better than the 2016 no. Warriors? I'm Not by a, no. So I'm saying this, but they, they they were also there. So that was kind of a competition. But right now, it's the league is more spread out than ever. Yes. So it's harder to will your team farther than it was for Michael Jordan. And it was easy for Michael Jordan because he had Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, Kukoc even you could throw in there. Uh, but, I mean, at the same time, he – I mean, yes, don't get me wrong. I mean, he had a lot of guys. But, like, you know, you know, you had, like, at the beginning of his career when he literally had no help, he had to face the 86 Celtics. And they blew him out of the water despite him putting up, like, 50, 60 points. So how many people think – that the MVP award is overrated. The amount of people. Oh, what do you, like a percentage? Percentage-wise. Uh, not many, because not many people talk about how or, or awards overrated or underrated or just right. That's why I was so happy to get the Celtics. I don't think anybody else talks about this. Like, I can actually kind of claim this as mine, you know? So when... Melbourne Mavs talk about this on the big air. You're gonna you're gonna call in. You're gonna tell them that was your. They own. probably won't. Yeah, they probably. Don't. It's not a huge you're, topic. You, you, you must tell them that. Uh, all right, sure. Okay. All right, but I. All right, so you said you wanted to kind of say something else. I felt like you were missing something there. So it was, as the talent spread though, it's harder to will yourself to the fine. But these teams back in the day, the the Lakers super team and the Bulls super team, 
it was so easy to win finals. So I don't get what your finals debate really is because it's harder to win nowadays. So, like harder to win a finals nowadays? Yes. yes. But then again, we look at this is the you know 2019 Raptors, all right? Would you talent-wise on paper say that Raptors team was better or that Warriors team was better? Warriors. Going into the Eastern Conference Finals, would you say, did you pick the Bucks to win or the Raptors? I think I picked the Bucks. Okay. I think I picked the Bucks in six or seven. Or maybe I picked, I honestly don't. All right. But I think the Bucks. But you look at it like Kawhi Leonard beats Philly by a shot. Kawhi Leonard edges Milwaukee out. Oh, I remember. I think the Bucks in six. Yes. Okay. So you look at the, like, the Raptors. That's a team. Kawhi, I mean, granted, he had help. He had Kyle Lowry. He had Pascal Siakam. He had some of these guys, but he kind of willed them. It's possible. What did Kawhi do? He willed the team to the finals. No, no, no. What did he do in the regular season? Uh, load management. And, yeah. Well, wasn't he injured for a bit? Or was that the... I don't know. That was with the Spurs. Okay. But what did Giannis do in the regular season? I mean, granted, he kind of had to. but he, he tried. Yeah, he tried 100%. And I give him credit for that. Don't take that away. But the NBA is a copycat league. You're going to see it in four or five years. I mean, three, maybe three, four years. Well, More players are going to start load managing all the time. If, if Giannis doesn't take... If Giannis takes load management days, the Bucks end up playing the Raptors sooner. And then they probably go on to lose sooner in the playoffs. So people like Giannis can't take load management days. I disagree. But you can keep going. I'll, tell, I'll say why. Because if Giannis... Giannis doesn't need to try that hard to win against... The, the Hornets. The Hornets. Yeah, he doesn't need to try that hard to win against a lower caliber Eastern Conference team. Let's just say, who was the eight seed last year? But I want to throw this out there to you. All right, the Bucks roster really didn't change from last season to this season. Fun fact: they won yeah, against they against lower caliber. Against Giannis did not play every game this season. I know, but the, this year. All right, they Malcolm lost. Brogdon. They lost Malcolm Brogdon. Okay, Malcolm Brogdon. I I did not like him. But on the Pacers, he's shown to be a key part of it. Okay, yeah, but all right, fair. But look at this. The Bucks this season played five under 500 teams without Giannis and won every game. So why doesn't Giannis take more of those games against these under 500 teams? Even without Giannis, the Bucks. I know the system may not seem like the best since they are built around Giannis, but even without Giannis, they, they still went undefeated without him. Against these lower caliber teams, so why shouldn't why can't he just sit out those games when they're still better without him? Well, they I should because guess what? Look at look you're at you're probably right. They, he should he should take those days. Yes, off. and look, Kawhi Leonard didn't. Uh, he beat the Bucks. He had Kawhi Leonard picked it up. LeBron James. I mean, it wasn't in the playoffs last year, but he does the same thing. But here's why he does. He doesn't take these days off because LeBron, LeBron, Giannis is a very humble person. He showed up to a practice for minutes for the people who were, were not playing at all in the lower caliber bench players on the Bucks, And that's what the practice was meant for, just those people. 
just the below average people on the box that weren't really getting minutes. Giannis showed up to the practice and they asked him why he was there. And he said, because any of these people could get minutes over me. So Giannis really thinks that he's, that he isn't deserving of minutes any more than these people. So why should just he be the one sitting out? If not his, if his whole team isn't taking low management days, then why would he? Because he believes that maybe he will lose a starting job for it. Because these are NBA players and they're very good basketball. Okay, that's fair. But at the end of the day, I think the the coaching staff has to realize, hey, you know, I I, I respect that, but you know, even if we sit Chris Middleton some games too, and in, in they're named all stars. There are these players that get named to the All NBA, and I know things can change, but think about it. If you are a coaching staff and you're looking for an NBA title and sitting Giannis here and there against these bad teams is the way to do that because that is a strategy and it's being used by LeBron and Kawhi, maybe you do that too. And it, you know. Well, let's look at coaching for a minute. Coaching's a good point. I feel like you have to have a good coach to win the NBA Finals. No. So, you, you, it's been a trend. So you, you see, like a trend, sure, but it's a players' league. Coach really, coaches, coaches more ego managing than anything nowadays. Yeah, but you, we've seen it. So I mean, like, Nick Nurse, yeah. Nick Nurse, uh, Steve Kerr, Phil Jackson. Steve Kerr is a question mark. I love Steve Kerr to death. He's great, great personality, but he hasn't proven anything as a coach. He's just proven he can win NBA titles with Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. How do you credit him for that? You just say, "Hey guys, go out there and do your thing." You know, oh, I hope you beat, I hope you beat Kemba Walker and the Hornets tonight. I hope you meet, beat De'Aaron Fox and the Kings. Like they, they, you know, that doesn't. I mean, granted, like you see some of these teams, like Mike Budenholzer has run a great system there uh, in Milwaukee. They haven't even won a title though yet. Like a good coach helps that can run good inbound plays, that can kind of set your plays up for success. But at the end of the day, it's really just ego management more than anything. Okay. What about, um, so if you try your hardest in the season and you earn yourself the one seed, you're not going to have to try as hard in the playoffs. You're not going to have a hard road to the finals. Like Giannis really like. He didn't even make it to the finals and they were the one seed last year. I know. That's, this is while well, I'm getting to that. Giannis, like, really, do you have to try to beat the Pistons? No. Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin, you, you, I mean, they're great players. Well, I'll throw this at the you. The Bucs did not have to really try that hard. To okay, that's fair, but I'll throw this at you right now. The Nuggets were the two seed in the Western Conference. They went to seven games with the Spurs. Because the Spurs are a good team. They were the seventh seed. I so. know, but no, 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 but I'm trying to talk The Warriors about went to six games no, with the Clippers. I'm, I'm talking about... That was a, the Clippers. I don't really know what to say to that, but I'm talking about the Bucks specifically against the Pistons. The Bucks versus Pistons was not a good series to watch. And okay. It really led for the Bucks to. Get, but the Bucks aren't the only top seed in the league, are they? No. So. But I'm t- I'm talking about the Bucks right now. Okay. 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 Go for so, it. So. Ultimately, when Giannis tries, he gets this one seed and earns himself a seven-day 
basically bye week. He has to play the games, but he didn't try that hard to beat the Pistons. And who they play next? The the Celtics. Oh, that was actually a tough fought one. That that went to seven games. But no, the Celtics series with the six. Uh, that went to six. five. They won. No, that oh. only went to five. Oh, I remember that. I thought it was gonna go. I thought it was gonna go to seven games after the Celtics won the first game. Yep. And then, okay. But. Anyways, you get you get this kind of break in the playoffs that no one else gets, which kind of gives you a head start almost. Well, as I just said, that that's it's only true in certain scenarios. The Nuggets yeah. went to seven with the Spurs. Warriors went to but six with the Clippers. Well, the, the Warriors, Warriors were, were the Nuggets were the two seed. But the six games, like yeah. Six, six. The, the finals went to six games last year. Six games is still. It's one away from seven. I know, but they'd have to win two more games. Well, still, that's relatively close. I think when you get hit six games, it's starting to get somewhat interesting, at least. Well, I think the Warriors, see, none of them load managed that year. So you're telling me, wait, you're telling me that a player, rather than sitting out about taking a break for even just seven to eight games, you're telling me... A player, instead of sitting out around seven to eight games, how do I word this? All right, Giannis going maybe ninety five percent because he he still went very hard against the Pistons. I'd even say he went a hundred, but let's just say he goes ninety five percent. Him going ninety five percent for four games in that one series is equivalent to him maybe sitting out seven to eight games instead in the regular season. Um, no, there's no way you can say that. Bit. That's like that's like saying is uh, ten is equal to two. It's because, just not. Because hear me out. They get a week break between the playoffs, and then this another seven day period that they have to go. Play but they still have to. He still has to try. I mean, you look at it like the Warriors started taking the Clippers a little lightly, and all of a sudden it's a yeah, six game series. They, they, yeah. So what? The, the Bucks could have done the same thing. I know, but. The, the, they didn't try their hardest, though. But uh, when the Warriors had to try their hardest, they did. The, the Bucks, they Bucks tried their hardest. They may have, they may have not had to to beat the Pistons, but they did. All right. But but they didn't have to. Uh, well, we said the same thing about the Warriors, and that went to six. Well, yeah. But Might have gone to seven if they they kept up the way they, they were. They had playing. to try their hardest. Yeah. But the Bucks didn't have to try their hardest. Well, how do we know that if they were trying their hardest right from the get go? Because you can tell. Well, they said the same thing about the Warriors and the Clippers series. Everybody said, well, you can tell the Warriors are just going to sleep, sweep them. Nope. What did you say, five games? Yes, I Oh, <laughs> buddy, nice. I believe I said the Bucks and Pistons would go to five games, too. I didn't. I said five, ga- five games is, is nearly a sweep. May I tell you, I actually predicted... Both of the sweeps, right? I said that the Celtics were going to sweep the Pacers, and they did. Good. All right, and the Bucks were going to sweep the Pistons. Okay, but we're focusing on these top versus bottom Thank seeds. You very much. Okay, but I, I just don't see how you can, you know, the Bucks. You just you think we thought the same thing with the Warriors. They they picked up on it. They really didn't give their all. They kind of goofed off, and all of a sudden the, the Clippers take them to six. All right, but here's my main argument. You say the award itself is. Are you saying the MVP 
player is overrated or the award is overrated? How's the player overrated? It just depends. Like Giannis, the person who wins the—that's a case is, by case thing. The overrated. award itself is overrated in the terms of it holds this. People hold it to the same standard as people. they did what in the. People? What people? Everybody. Nobody. Nobody. Specific. I have. Names. I have never heard one person say. Look, I've never heard one person say the winning the at. No, I've never. Let me talk. I've never heard one person say winning the NBA MVP in 2017 is just not as good as it was in 1990. <laughs> well, I've never heard anyone say it the other way around either, to be fair. What do you mean? I've never heard anyone say, dang, I wish the MVP award was just as good as it used to be. In the 90s. <laughs> well, <laughs> honestly, if you want the complete and truth, it just isn't. Well, I want to know people who said that. <laughs> what do you, you? It's like it's like asking me. Oh God, we lost one. <laughs> oh my God! It's like asking me who said Rashawn Holmes was better than. Zaza Batulia. I want specific <laughs> names. It's not a topic that's talked about a lot. Just Wait, in general. So that is the general it census. Really matter that much? Not my opinion about how the NBA MVP <laughs> award is overrated really doesn't. I, I I hope people take it seriously, but I don't think they will. Okay? I want to know specific names. <laughs> I don't have specific names. It's just a gen a it's a general consensus. A percentage, a, a, a percentage of what? A percentage of the people that think the NBA award of MVP is overrated. Not many until you mention it to them. Nobody talks about it, though. That's the thing. So I don't know. So, but most of these reporters are bad. Colin Coward. Well, I mean, they're probably scripted. Yeah, sure. But you're not going to get a consensus from the media like them. And it's not going to be real because... Half the stuff they say is not real. I'm not taking the consensus from them. It's just not talked about. So, so what is, so. I think we're on two different roads here. Yeah, I think we are. Okay, but basically what I'm saying is no one's talked about it, so I don't know. But all I'm saying is it's overrated in a sense that what things that I, something that I do know is people hold the NBA MVP award to the same standard now as they did back then. The MVP award is easier to win now than it was then. Okay, well, how does that... I'm not saying the leagues... How does that make it overrated? Because I just told you. That it's... No. That it's held to the the same standard? Yes. Look at it. It's whole help. I just showed you the facts as to why MVPs now don't have as much success. Yes. They're easier to win, but if you win them, you don't have as much success in the playoffs. Now, I want to know. But people don't recognize that. And they hold it to the same standard as they did back in the day. That's just. Before these 20 years, I want to know how many of the same people on the MVP. So, like, how many of them were, like, the same? Like, Uh, Jordan, Bill Russell. Okay. Like, all, all of them. So in those twenty years, we got oh yeah, I have the I have ten different players have that twenty. So ten you know. out of twenty, ten out of twenty. Okay. So now I want to know how many from the fourteen out of twenty. Oh my God. The talent is a little more spread out. I'll give you that. Okay. 
But that's one reason against the multiple I just came up with. If we go even farther, I'm sure the percentage gets... Even smaller? Yeah. Uh, um, or, 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 oh, and diversity. back in time? Like, yeah. even before the yeah. 1980s? Yeah. Yes, because it was the league was dominated by a select handful of players. I mean, given that it is a Stars League today, but, like, still. But that, still back now, then, it was, it was, like, a couple players dominated. But now it's harder to predict, which leads to more fans liking the MVP. But that has nothing to do with, with it being overrated or underrated. So... People could say it has the same value. Not to mention, nowadays, the MVP is more of just this Hollywood contest. Wait, and, wait, and you yes. said voters fatigue. Yes. So even if you're the best player, it doesn't necessarily mean that you'll win. So how does yes. that make it easier? So if you try your hardest in three seasons, if you try your hardest in three seasons, okay. and you're the best player in the league, it doesn't mean you're going to win the MVP. Three. But as I said, this is a kind of reverse. Voters fatigue was a thing then. MJ was robbed of multiple MVPs. Voters yeah. fatigue has always so been a thing. LeBron. Yeah. Yeah, but Okay. What, I'm, what was I trying to say? I, I was trying to say that voters fatigue leads to it being harder for you to win. Yeah, but it was also a thing back then. Yes, yeah, so, but it's more now. Because okay. LeBron was robbed of like. So you're telling, yeah, but I mean, there, it's a there, There's reasons for both sides, and I hear your reasons, and you're right. But I feel like there's more reasons, the ones that all of the ones I just presented, than the couple you just came up with, which were good reasons. But I just feel like there's more reasons on my side. Well, yeah, there's more reasons, but and they equal more of a mass. I didn't think we'd be brought to science class. It's it's just a fact. Well, more facts. Sometimes it's not good to have more facts. Like, oh, here we go. Someone just didn't have enough facts, and now he's kind of pulling the reverse card here. At the beginning, your arguments were not good. Mine weren't. You kept stuttering and having. False facts in there. False facts? Yeah, you remember. Oh, at the beginning. No, no, no. I said, oh, whoops, I messed up one of these, but I didn't mess up the stats. My graph that I had, I wasn't even using the graph. Oh, I'm sure you were. I'm sure you were using Do you want me to show you? Yes, I would would like to see this graph. That's my graph right there. Those are the stats. So why would you put the graph in? Just for a visual reference. A visual reference of what? You'd have to zoom in on 200 to see. Okay, well, well, clearly I wasn't using it if I wasn't zoomed in. <laughs> well, oh, wait, I don't... wait, oh, let's go back where you say, oh, I have to zoom in a bit. <laughs> that was after. <laughs> but you still used it. No, no, no. I'm right, you're wrong. No, that was after you, that was after you asked me who won each MVP and I had to zoom in. That had nothing to do with who I highlighted and who I didn't. I just read off the list. I didn't mess up the list. This is a list from Basketball Reference. So you're saying Basketball Reference thinks it's overrated? No! Oh my gosh! I just used things that they did to help me. So, Basketball Reference thinks the MVP award is overrated. No, I think the MVP because it uses stats that help you. No, I don't even know what you're talking about anymore. (laughs) Honestly, what are you talking about? (laughs) 
insane. The basketball reference thinks the MVP award is overrated because it uses more facts that help people think that the award I never is said overrated. that basketball reference was I think you're just fooling around. <laughs> yeah, I mean. yeah, all right. Well, do you have anything else to say? The MVP award is overrated by media, not by fans. Uh, so, why? Because fans, fans, it's more entertaining now. So fans would rather have it now than it was easier to predict back in the day. I think that from a fan standpoint, not from a media. Well, good thing it all isn't only the fans. So you just elaborate. Like, the MVP award. Okay. Is underrated nowadays, but er is held to a higher standard nowadays. Which it shouldn't be. Which is absolutely fan, ludicrous. No, no, no. Okay. Because the fans like it more now because it's harder to predict who's going to win than back in the day when it was easier. You're <laughs> easier that, to predict. Easier to predict, yes. But what does entertainment have to do with whether it's overrated because or Because it underrated? keeps people watching. It's like, oh, who's going to win? But that doesn't have anything to do with what standard it's held to. Standard. I'm not even talking about that. Yeah, but that's the whole point. Entertainment standard. But what does that have to do with it being overrated or underrated or just right? From a fan standpoint. So you're just saying, just throwing that out there. You know that has nothing to do with it, right? I do know that has something to do with it. Okay, so it's fair but relatively irrelevant. It is kind of relevant. Okay. Because the fans don't think it is from their entertainment point of view. You all right there, buddy? Yeah, I'm okay. All right. Get a little worked out about this. It's all right. Hold it together. <laughs> oh, God, he's dying now. Yeah. <laughs> all right, I think he's... I think we're going to end this before he has a mental breakdown. Maybe we'll touch up on this some other time, but I think we both got most of what we wanted off our chest. He brought up some pretty good points. Not going to lie, he did better than I thought. And, uh, oh, God, yeah. Uh, All right. Uh, Thank you guys for listening. Uh, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Uh, Go call in on the Anchor mobile app. Uh, Go follow my Instagram at After the Buzzer Sports Talk, even though I never really post on there anymore. Uh, Just why not go give it a follow just in case. Uh, But yeah, thank you guys for listening. Wish Colin the best and I hope to see you guys next time.